Welcome to the Man Up Podcast. I'm Winston Wolf. I solve problems. A spiritual oasis for men. We're not pastors, just regular guys. Put that coffee down. Coffee's for closers only. So, for the uncommon man, created by equally uncommon men, this is Man Up. Welcome, everybody. This is the Man Up Podcast. Podcast number, what, 103? Is that right? Yeah. And we're glad you're here. And where is here? Here is Sugarland, Texas. So grab a globe, spin it around. Bang. Hopefully you'll be in Texas. Go to the southeast corner, and that is Houston. Southwest side of Houston is Sugarland. And normally we are at the Man Up studio at Sugarland Baptist Church. However, because due to inclement weather, uh, we are on location at Minuti Coffee once again. Been here a couple of times. Folks are super nice. I'd like to thank the Minuti Coffee folks for uh, letting us come here for uh, podcast number one. No, three. Yeah, but that's right. We're gonna, that's why we're giving them a shout out so they can listen and uh, feel rewarded. <clears throat> and I did eat a cookie, so. Have coffee, and yeah, yeah, the fellows have coffee, and just if if you've been listening and, and wonder about uh, the flooding and stuff that happens in the Houston Sugarland area, yes, that is totally real, and uh, all you have to do is get uh, a few inches over what you normally expect, and bang, you get flooding. It uh, changes your day, but we're men, and and it's awesome. So um, we are in the. Connect 360, Truth and Grace. And if you remember, we went through uh, uh, the Easter season, and but we skipped a couple of lessons that are in this book. And we're, we're circling back because we're men and we like to make sure that everything is complete with lesson six. And this is a hard teaching. And uh, we, we got some awesome panelists here. And I'm going to go ahead and introduce them, and then I'll uh, go around once again and let them give a basic summary of this lesson, because to me, it was fairly difficult. So, uh, and with that, I'm lucky that I have here, right across from me, he's a world-class trainer. He's also kind of an intellectual, so I'm going to be leaning on him a fair amount, and that's Robert Koshu, um, also an attorney. Uh, he's also a prosecutor. We call him the judge, so he could defend you, or he could throw the book at you. That's uh, Michael Cropper. I'm going to be leaning on him as well, too. And uh, also, we had a world-class policy writer. He's also a bit of a ga- professional gambler, Mr. Steve Titch. And I'm going to be leaning on him, too, for this lesson. So <laughs> I actually did read the lesson, but... Uh, it was just like you guys were talking about. It was difficult, so this is uh, I'm going to be leading on you fellas uh, for this discussion. So, uh, and with that, I'm going to go ahead and uh, start around. And but before we I get to that, I just want to let you know this is a man up spiritual oasis for men. We're not pastors. We're just regular guys on this faith journey, and we're glad that you joined us because what we get to talk about here. There's things you can't talk about with anybody else. And because we have this ongoing conversation, you probably know us and know how we're going to interpret this stuff. Because we like to take the scriptures and what we like, we put a man spin on it and bring it up to date and just try to make our own life better. So, and with that, we're on iTunes, SoundCloud, uh, Facebook at man up 
we have uh, Twitter and we have a uh, website and so I'm gonna first go to uh, Robert Koshu for the summary and he'll also tell you where our website and stuff is so Robert Koshu go ahead and uh, give us your uh, summary your overview of the lesson thank you Bill um, so just to kind of put this one in context a little bit again um, this is after they cross the Sea of Galilee Jesus does the feeding of the 5,000 they cross over and they're actually teaching in a synagogue and Jesus goes through and he has this whole conversation before the scripture Bill's going to read later where he goes into the bread of life and how you must eat the bread, whoever eats the bread will have life and have that forever. And so it's one of those things where it's a really, really hard concept. And sometimes as guys, we have to accept what a hard concept is and get ready to actually be, number one, accept it, but number two, make sure we proclaim it. I think that's that's kind of one of my quick summaries, kind of historical context and summary all at the same time. Excellent. Michael Cropper. Yeah, I went over this a little bit on uh, in our, our lesson Sunday this past week, and really my perception of this lesson has to do with the lesson before it and the 51 scriptures that are missing between the previous lesson and this one. Uh, folks, if you remember, we covered this quite a while back, like Bill said, right. and that was Jesus healing the man at the pool of Bethesda. He was a paralytic. And in this... Jesus, uh, I, folks, I'm convinced, and I think if we go through this, you'll see the same, that Jesus picks out the Sabbath to heal people for a reason. And simply he raises trouble with the Pharisees. And he did this with the man at the pool of Bethesda. Now, after he healed the paralytic, he told him, he came back and found him, because he didn't know who he was. Jesus came and found him and told him, I'm the one who healed you. Go get, go get the Pharisees. He didn't say it. That's Copper's paraphrasing of the text. Right. But he goes and gets the Pharisees. They come back and argue and fight. Uh, and then Jesus gets tired of arguing with them. And then he goes and leaves. Now, this is, I'm going to a little bit what Robert talked about. Then he goes around the Sea of Galilee to get away from them. Now, at this time, there's a bunch of people that have been watching Jesus heal people. It didn't just happen in the pool of the vestal. But he went around the city of Galilee and get away from great crowds of people. Well, they followed him. They knew where he was. They followed him around the Sea of Galilee, and they and he saw him coming. And when he saw him coming, he told his disciples, there's so many here, we're going to have to feed them. So they they get together the loaves and the fish, and they feed all these, this great crowd of people. And then the crowd of people have seen all these miracles he's been doing, and they say... They decide they want to make him king because he can provide them with food and he can heal people. Okay. Well, he decides he's going to leave there also and he goes back around the Sea of Galilee. And they come and follow him after that again. Anyway, they follow him around the Sea of Galilee and they confront him especially the Jewish leaders who want to cause trouble with him. The other people believe that he is, in fact, possible uh, a prophet and maybe the Messiah. And Jesus confronts him. He looks at him as well as the Jewish leaders. He says, you followed me around here because you want more bread. But you're looking for the wrong bread. I am the bread of God that came down from heaven. 
and I can give you eternal life. You were looking for the wrong bread, and essentially this is what it leads into our story today, because he is he's gotten tired of arguing with him, this, and this is my opinion, and he's just telling them what they don't or are not prepared to hear because they must have spiritual ears to hear this. And he says simply, you've got to have spiritual bread in order to live eternally. And you must seek the bread of life, which is me. So anyway, so, so, go ahead. Um, the, uh, um, the background is, is great. I think, in fact, I, as a, the, the text we're going to be looking at is in is John chapter 6, verses 50 through, 52 to 69. Um, but Mike just gave some background. And, I, and it's important to keep this in mind as we do this, because two things actually happened before this. One is the feeding. And overnight is the walking on water, which the apostles see. Not the the, the apostles, they are going to go by boat across. The crowd, as Mike says, kind of follows them around on shore. Maybe some came on boat. But during the night, Jesus appeared to the disciples walking on water. So we have two signs. One was very public, one was very private going into this. Now we're going to get this teaching. And... We do get this this idea that I it's one of the I am statements in the Gospel of John. I am the bread of life. The conversation mirrors what we saw in chapter four with the woman at the well, where um, Jesus says, "I am living water," and the woman says, well, where, "Where can I get this living water?" The the people will ask, "Well, where can we get this bread of life?" Then comes the real, really jarring um, analogy or picture that Jesus get, gives, and that is, you must eat my flesh and drink my blood, which uh, is as jarring to our ears, maybe, to an unimportant person as, as it was in the first century. There was no, uh, I, I went to Catholic school, we heard this all the time, the nuns would say, oh, it was, was completely different. No, no, you will see that this... This was a was a rubber hits the road moment, and and a lot of people will pull away. And so, but it is, and it is. Jesus is very graphic about it. You can back away from this. You can't explain it away. And it's going to be fun to talk about um, this this rather jarring statement and what it really means. Excellent. And with that, I'm going to go ahead and uh, read the scripture. And we're at John six fifty two through sixty nine. Then the Jews began to argue sharply among themselves, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Jesus said to them, Very truly, I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them up on the last day. For my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that comes down from heaven. Your ancestors ate manna and died. Well, whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. He said this while teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum. Upon hearing this, many of the disciples said, This is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, does this offend you? Then what if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of spirit and life. Yet there are some of you who do not believe. 
For Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe and who would betray him. He went on to say, This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled them. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. You do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the twelve. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. In that passage, to me, it lets me know that Jesus was for real and he was laying down the law with the disciples and this is this is what you had to do it might have been easy up until now but it's not and I think that's what he was doing I think Jesus would not would prefer to have not come to this point but I think he got so angry pushed with the arguing with him and then kept questioning him questioning he does many many miracles he heals the sick I don't know. I don't remember if he's raised the dead at this point. No, but they, not, not at this point, they say to him, and the first, the previous fifth one scripture said, they say to him, "Show us another sign so we can believe in you." And he's right. just read the five. He's just fed the five thousand. He's just healed people, and he's. And to me, he throws his hands up and says, "Okay, I'll let you have it." He's tired of being Santa Claus. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. yes. And, 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 and he's also saying all this will only get you so far. I mean, he, 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 he kind of makes a dual comparison. He does compare himself to the manna that saved the yes, Israelites in the desert, that right. delivered them um, as, as feeding. But he also said, just like the manna and the bread I fed you yesterday, you're going to get hungry again. This is just purely you know, your physical need here. And there's far, he's almost saying there's far more to this than the, than getting, oh, a, getting, getting lunch. And um, it's, and, and maybe, you know, it's interesting, you say kind of, he's a little angry by this. He certainly, he certainly pushes, you know, and, and, and people say that it's a deliberate style to exaggerate, but we get in this, and I'm interested in Robert's take on this, because Robert, Robert, Earlier is called John, kind of the supplemental yeah, um, yeah. part. It's, and you know, we do get we do get the feeding in the other synoptics. We get, but we get this chunk of teaching only in John. But John does not give us the covenant, the bread and wine covenant at the Last Supper, which by now everybody reading John is familiar with. I mean, Paul spells it out in Corinthians in AD 55. They were doing this, mm -hmm. do this, remember, I mean, they were reenacting the, the, the covenant of the bread and wine. But John overlays the meaning beyond, beyond the simply do this in remembrance of me. Um, he's laying on the idea, we're getting the idea of the Eucharist and the communion here that not all Protestant churches delve into. I mean, being a Catholic back, the, the Catholic background is very strong. It, it gets into the idea that there is some kind of transubstantiation. Um, we as Baptists pretty much we call it the, the, the sacrament. The, the, we call it the, the, the last sacrament. We call it the transubstantiation. Yeah, and it is not turning. It's misunderstood. I'm, I'm going to speak for the Catholics here. It does not mean the, the host turns into the bread and wine, but that it's imbued 
with the essence of Christ, which is kind right. of what it right. says here. Um, we as, as Baptists celebrate now the, the we call it the, the sacrament of the, the Latin. We don't even call it a sacrament. We just no. call it. Um, it's a. It's a. Uh, it's, it's just called Holy Communion or Lord's Supper. Lord's Supper. Lord's Supper. Lord's Supper. We call it Lord's Supper. But the Episcopalians go along with that. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, 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 but, but let, let's whatever, whatever, wherever you are. My, my point is to argue doctrine, but this is this still can't be ignored as part of it. This idea of of the idea of a communion with the Lord coming through. The, um, the bread or coming through this relationship and you know I, I see it more as a symbolic aspect of this because I think that's what it was but it is very graphic because what do you do when you eat something you take it into yourself right? you internalize it yes, yes. well and, and I it's interesting you mentioned that I think John includes his teaching as part of the supplement so that people understand hey look this wasn't like something that Bam, it's the Lord's Supper, and all of a sudden Jesus is instituting this new communion. He had discussed with us previously mm-hmm. that he was the bread of life, mm-hmm. and then he's kind of mixing it all up there with the Passover itself in John mm-hmm. and, indicate, and indicating that now, hey, look, he had taught us this before. Now we, and then all we knew was this is like some hard teaching. I, I, yeah, how can I accept that? Versus when we're at the Lord's Supper, I think in the emotional moment of the Last Supper, they couldn't understand what was going on. Now they're reflecting years later, and they're, oh my God, remember that time he mm-hmm. talked to us in Capernaum at the synagogue, mm-hmm. and we were all freaked out by it? This is what he was talking mm-hmm. about. And I think this is coming to the point, like you said, Steve, it's a lot of internalization, and I think it points to us. One of the things with guys, our job is really, really to work to make sure people understand the hard things. There's a, there's a real, I'll call it problem. It's not a problem per se, but it is a problem that everybody wants to make the gospel and Christianity and water it down and make sure we can offend people. We have to make sure everybody accepts or be accepting. And no, there are some hard teachings in Christianity. But this is this that is a this runs to accept. John, John basically it says here now, now this it's a matter of religion, but it's inarguable that the Bible that Jesus says in the Bible the way to salvation is through him. Yes. One way. I mean, yeah, you, know, you can't you can't bend it out. You you can argue with it. You can someone else from another religion can say, No, I don't believe that. But if anyone says, oh, the Bible doesn't say that, they are wrong. Yeah. It's yeah. Great. <laughs> yeah. Great. yeah. And But I think that's the thing that that we've got to come down to mm-hmm. and understand mm-hmm. is that there are hard teachings. And as Christians, it's our job, and as leaders, like you say, Bill, it's, it's our job to make sure, hey, look, we're not going to, you know... Mm-hmm. I think one thing that kind of uh, upset Jesus on this whole thing is the fact that they just wanted a free lunch <laughs> yeah. instead instead of instead of the uh, being fulfilled spiritually and be on a spiritual path. It's almost as if they didn't really regard that part of life with the with the kind of importance that Jesus put on it. 
and we're always concerned with their with their physical needs and not their spiritual needs. And and I think that just got to the point to what is this going to take for these people because they want they want someone that's opening up a food pantry. That's that's what they want. They want they want free food to be taken care of and then maybe protected. So that that's uh, that's more like a king as opposed with someone that is going to lead. Well, it goes even then. It goes even beyond that. We read we read that after the feeding, a few verses before this, in in in, in chapter six, uh, verse fifteen. The reason Jesus leaves, or one of the reasons Jesus leaves, is that um, they intended to make him king by force. And I was reading a commentary is, and then here's a lesson for us as men: and you, you can't force Jesus to do anything. Mm-hmm. You right. can't you can't force Jesus into something. You can't persuade him. <laughs> He's, right. Yes, yes, you can't persuade. You can't. You know, you want. You may. You know, you may want Jesus to be a Republican. Or a Democrat, you can't, you know, you can't commandeer him. You can't, you, you can't do that. You cannot put Jesus into our box. Yes, right. <laughs> and and that's essentially, you know, it's 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 he's elusive in that he's not. And that's these, you know, there, there were people there who, you know, like you said, they're either going to get fed or or they want. This is this is obviously a guy who has the power to feed us. Let's make him king because that's what a good king does. Right. <laughs> and. Um, what you said, he brought this up again about Moses. And remember, they say to him, show us a sign. <laughs> Moses gave us man, and Jesus corrects him. Says, oh, yes. He says, Moses didn't give you the manna. My father did. God gave you the manna. Now, while we're talking about bread, I am the bread of life. Right. I can give you a turn wine. He's right. real close. I mean, you can miss this if you don't look close at the scripture because he says in here, what and I'm telling died. you is about the spirit. Mm-hmm. It's not about your flesh. He says, your ancestors ate manna. This is verse 58. This, I'm the bread that came down from heaven. Your ancestors ate manna and they died. But whoever feeds on the bread, on this bread, which is me, will live forever. He's telling them real clearly, what I'm telling you is spiritual. It is not physical, but I'm weaving it in with all this, these, these metaphors and colorful, colorful mm-hmm. examples. That you're you not are listening to the Man Up Podcast, spiritual oasis for men. Just Every like any muscle, we feel right now, the faith muscle up, must be exercised. And here we do it real authentic, the man up way. Not pastors, just regular guys, each on a unique spiritual journey. Thanks for joining us. Deep questions and discussions you won't hear anywhere else, especially in today's climate. Missed an episode? They are archived. Free for you to select on SoundCloud. We come to you from the Man Up Studios at Sugarland Baptist Church, Sugarland, Houston, Texas, in the United States. Have a question or comment or want to book a speaker or group and have Man Up come to you? Contact us on our Facebook page, Gigmasters or WMACox at Comcast.net. And now, back to fellows of Man Up. We will be right back. And welcome back. This is Man Up. Spiritual voices for men. We're not pastors. We're just regular guys trying to deepen our faith. And we're glad you're here to join us on this faith journey. Um, <clears throat> this is podcast number 103. 
We're talking, we're from the Grace and Truth book, Lesson 6, A Hard Teaching. We're in John 6, 52 through 69 are the focal passage. And this is where Jesus almost gets to the point to where he's talking cannibalism to these people about eating my flesh and drinking my blood. And I think this is one of the things about Jesus. Because he speaks in these metaphors, he shocks people into thinking other things, trying to get them to get out of the ordinary and get expand their mind in the thought of what they're thinking about. Another comment on this while we were, while we were on this uh Verse 63, folks, if you were reading along with us, Jesus again says something that's the key to everything. He's arguing, you must eat my flesh, you must drink my blood. And 63 says, the spirit gives life, the flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of the spirit of life. Right? So he, he's, right. mixing in, he's mixing in uh, heavenly wisdom, for, what, for lack of better terms, that's the answer to everything he's teaching, but confusing the heck out because they don't want to hear that part. That everything he's teaching is on the spirit itself and how to have a turn. You almost wonder if he didn't um, feed them so they would listen, feed them so that they would listen, and then now they want to get fed more, but. It's the same teaching. He has the same thing to say. And I think that's what just frustrates him with us. I agree. I'd like to speak up for the apostles here. Okay. Because we like to rag on them. <laughs> but Steve, but in the apostles saying, you know, for old Peter and has his friends, um, we do rag on them. Um, but they they intuitively grasp this to get and they they're the one Peter and the others stay and again Peter's there to speak for the apostles and he, um, Jesus says or you know he's, you know I imagine this is something like you know last night's Astros game when they were down 12 to one and right. by the seventh inning everybody's losing this is this is kind of what happened right. the, the, eat my flesh drink my wine everybody got up right. and left and and, and I wanted Jesus, bread and fish <laughs> Jesus looks over at Peter and says you know well are you gonna go too and, and Peter asks answers rhetorically and he says um to whom would we go now when you think about it yeah, Peter could have left. He, this was back near his home. He could have gone back fishing. He could have just as easily said, you know, another another Messiah thing. I'm going. I'm going back to my uh, my my regular work. Um, but he doesn't, and the apostles don't, and they, because I think they they sense even if they they may not grasp this whole thing yet. They they sense something really important here is going on, and they'd rather stick around with this man. Then God, nobody else compares. I mean, there's nobody else worth worth this. Um, so there, I, I give them credit for not giving up at this point and for acknowledging that there might be things we don't understand or just basically grasp. But we, whatever it is, we think this is the guy. Well, he makes a comment after when Jesus said, "Do you not want to leave too?" Peter answers him back. 
where else are we going to go? And he says after that, you have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. And so I think part of it is they also recognize, yeah, this sounds crazy, but you know what? The guy's on point. And I think that's something, that's another, I think another man lesson. Because there are a lot of times when people throw ideas out and say, right, brothers, we're going to build this thing and we're going to fly it. Back in the early 1900s, before 1903, when they actually did it, and even up to a certain point after they had done it the first time, people were like, you're insane. <laughs> you know, somebody looked at Einstein and the Manhattan Group and said, we're going to build a bomb that can blow everything up. And everybody's like, you're crazy. You know, 1969, John F. Kennedy stood here in Houston and said, I or 1962, I challenge this nation to put a man on the moon and bring him, return him safely to Earth before the end of the decade. Everybody thought it was crazy. Mm -hmm. By the way, this is the, this year the 50th anniversary of the moon. So it, 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 there's always crazy ideas out there, but it's up to us to recognize the truth of it. And I think in this instance, I think in the disciples, like you said, somewhat to their credit, they're looking at Jesus going, that's a little crazy, but everything else you're saying makes sense. So let's hang around because maybe there's more to this. And I really, I don't think they realized what happened here, these words in particular that he was talking about, until after the resurrection. And then I think they, well, wait a minute, during the during Thursday night when he was feeding us, he kind of did the Passover, but he took a different spin on the Passover, and he said that that was his body, this was his, but is there, ah, you know, one of those kind of an aha moment almost for the disciples. Well, our, our hindsight is 2020. Oh, most definitely. And even, and even us, we don't totally understand it. Being there in the moment, I got to believe to a certain, ex uh, certain extent, they're just being swept up by this, by the movement. But then they also have to make a decision. Is this real or not? I think they do the they do the man thing, particularly Peter does, and he just believes. I he can't he can't totally get it, but he just believes. And so he's gonna continue on. And that's kinda like a man thing. Sometimes you don't totally understand it, but you're still going down that road anyway. There's enough of the truth there that you can recognize right. based on your discernment that you're going to follow through with what, however crazy it sounds. Right. Because there are crazy ideas, and however crazy it sounds, I'm going to follow it through. I totally, that's a really We have to do things and not follow our feelings. And this is important. We stress this, right? Because many times, like you said, we, they were shocked with what he said. Maybe you have to step back and say, well, I'm going to go by my feelings and my emotions and leave like all those other people, or I'm going to go with what I know so far. He's healed people. He's given truth. He's given all sorts of things that no one else can do. And, and so you go by what you know rather than what you feel. And in that era, there was always all these traveling prophets. That, that was yes. part of what was going on in that time. And here's the thing. Who am I going to go follow? Obviously, 
he was a man of faith and recognized that he it's more than physical needs there's spiritual needs and so he he is one of those guys that was going to follow somebody and that's why it was important for him to follow jesus because that was the truth as he saw it, you know so it's a really good point and and just like we said i think it really is and i think mike you have a good point that part of our job as leaders is to cut emotion not totally out of the equation but be able to set the emotion aside to make a decision yeah. and i think that is that is a that is a real for the most part obviously stereotyping here a little bit that is specifically a man thing is to be able to set our emotions aside and make decisions and I think it's it's difficult to do because there are times emotions are important well and also traditions are too yes the traditions and traditional beliefs are the hardest things to get rid of because it's been passed down from generation to generation so it's part of your DNA your fabric and then to have someone else come along and do something so radical it's almost like you're turning against your whole DNA belief system to follow this guy we all make decisions on emotions Abs- while we're married <laughs> right <laughs> <laughs> right, but as we go in the Lord, as we grow in our our duties, like you say, Bill, and our, our responsibilities, we learn more to use judgment and wisdom mm-hmm. and the knowledge we've acquired rather than the emotions and feelings that, that, that maybe led us to a certain mm-hmm. lady that, that was so much part of our life when we first met. That is an excellent point. <laughs> the people that were following him. Um, the Jews basically they had all those mosaic laws and if you followed the laws then you were righteous all you had to do is just follow all the follow all the rules okay which is impossibility which is impossible but this gets to what you're saying about the tradition the the very fact that he said what he did is offensive because drinking blood was a was an was a violation of I mean, couldn't generate animal blood. You know, I mean, the, the whole, the whole, the, the whole ritual of how to slaughter your, your, your uh, cow, your, how to slaughter your meat. No, it wasn't kosher. Um, yes, I mean, that's right. But yeah, but little, no, he no, no, absolutely right. And 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 certainly, eating a, eating a human flesh, let alone touching it, well, touching touching dead flesh was was. Uh, Forbidden, and the idea. Yeah. I mean, so this, and and maybe that is part of the point here. It is a smack. You know, this is what I'm. It, it, it's, it's a wake up call. It's a it's right. a get out of your thinking. Um, and uh, no, I, I, it's it's no wonder people. I mean, if if you were a, you know, I, I can imagine the buzz of people walking away. Absolutely. I mean, everything that everything that I had learned, I'd spent so much time learning and obeying means nothing. All of a sudden, it absolutely, those rules meant nothing. But that so shows, I guess, how, I guess it drives home how, that Jesus was 
intended to be radical. I mean, it, it, it's not just radical for our time, it's radical for all time. I mean, he's in, in his own establishment, in his own milieu, in, in, the, in the Jewish culture of, of Judea and, uh, and Nazareth and, and Capernaum, as much, much as it was when it began to expand it into the Roman world. It's, 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 it, it was radical from day one and, and, and intended to be. Well, we're getting down to the end of this podcast, um, a hard teaching. And, you know, the thing about it is that um, it strikes me is that change is difficult. And total sacrificial change is even more difficult <laughs> to be able to transform that way. And so um, that's why this is this is such a hard teaching because it's kind of like when you come up to a T, you have no choice but to turn one way or another. Whereas in life, basically as men, we're uh, far more comfortable if we're just taking a curve to change direction rather than making a radical change and with that I want to go around uh, around the panel and get a basic summary and, and, and takeaway uh, from this particular lesson and uh, Professor we'll go ahead and start with you yeah before I get my summary uh, first of all always find us at www.manupspiritualoasis.com from there you can get to our SoundCloud archive with all of our podcasts and links to our Facebook page as well as our Twitter site. Follow us on Twitter, please, Man Up Spiritual Oasis. Uh, also, new feature, um, we have started a blog. And Mr. Titch, Mr. Steve, the gambler, wrote an excellent blog on last week's piece. It was out there. And so I want to encourage everybody to kind of follow our blogs. Uh, and how do you get to that? It it's on manupspiritualoasis.com, and you'll see our blog, okay. and we're going to kind of split that up. Steve and I are going to bounce it back and forth right now, and then we'll split it out. Anybody else wants to write, please tell me. I'll let you write one. Um, but just I try to put one out a week, kind of oh, little, pick a little thing out on what we're doing and delve into that. My summary on this really is be ready to accept the hard truths, and hard truths are part of Christianity and part of our faith. And a lot of people get hung up on because they don't want to accept our truths. So be ready to accept those. Excellent, excellent. Judge, you are looking sharp with your Man Up t-shirt on. That is awesome. It is. So, with that, your summary and takeaway. All right, real quick. Once again, a great lesson. Jesus is dealing with reality. He's dealing with the his his critics, the Pharisees, who have just ridiculed him and, uh, and, and refused to believe practically anything he said. But as uh, I, I think Robert or Steve mentioned earlier, that or Steve did, mentioned that his disciples stuck with him in spite of these, this hard teaching that he said, you must eat my flesh and drink my blood. But Jesus makes one profound statement also to them right toward the end of our scriptures and it's in verse number 63 and he adds to his statements he went on to say this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled him to come to me you have to be drawn of the Holy Spirit to understand 
and you have to be led by the Holy Spirit to understand the teachings in the Bible and in the New Testament. I remember the first thing I did whenever I gave my life to the Lord and it came into my heart, I opened up the book of John and started reading it and all of a sudden I could understand it. It was that, that profound to me. And Jesus is telling them all these things which he probably knows they can't understand, but he's trying to encourage them to come to him as the bread of life and to be led by the Holy Spirit. I, I would bet you're absolutely correct on the fact that he knew that they would not understand it. I, uh, that, that, that would be a, I would bet that. And speaking of betting, betting has <laughs> I'll be the first to say there's a lot in this that's hard to understand. That's hard. That's hard to that there are a lot of questions raised by this. Uh, there's a question. You know, if, if Jesus is the only way to salvation, what about all the people who don't believe in Jesus? What about what about Uncle Joe who never went to church? And you know, where's he going to end up? The answer is I don't know. I do know what the Bible says. And I do believe the Bible is the real world of God. Real word of God. Um, so this is what I choose to follow. Where God goes elsewhere, um, we believe He's just. We believe He's good. Um, but there are a heck of a lot of things that aren't clear. But um, here's one. Here's the way that it says how to get there. Uh, and so that's kind of where. If you want to continue the analogy, that's what I'm betting on. That Jesus is the way. I he is, he is. I am. I am the bread of life. Uh, I am the way. Uh, I am the good shepherd. And uh, this is this is where this is where I stand. Um, I'm not going to try to argue with you. I'm not going to try to talk you out of it. I, but I do know what the Bible says, and that's 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 where that's where I am. You know, this is a great lesson, and like everybody said, a little bit difficult uh, because it does shake traditions. And as men, we are expected to be discerning enough to know what is real and what is not. And just like the disciples in this particular story, not easy. And there's a fair amount of things in life that are not going to be easy for us to understand. But like Steve said, Jesus is the way, and I absolutely believe that myself so and with that this is the man up podcast podcast number 103 we're on itunes soundcloud uh, facebook man dash up we have a website twitter so if you have a question go ahead and uh, post it on our facebook and we'll go ahead and uh, <clears throat> we'll answer it here <clears throat> want to make sure that we encourage each and every one of you to get involved in a local Bible-based church, why local? So you'll go and get involved in an adult Bible fellowship or Sunday school class because then you get to sit there, study the scripture, discuss it like we do here, and be able to apply some meaning to your life. And, and try and find a men's only group, kind of like Man Up. And if there isn't one, start one. This is Man Up. You've been listening to Man Up. You want answers. I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. Dedicated to the uncommon man. Created by equally uncommon men. If I were the man I was five years ago, I'd take a flamethrower to this place. You can contact us on Facebook under Man Dash Up. Post questions and we'll answer them right here on the Man Up Podcast.